So with abundance, it's really powerful to shift our attention away from what's coming in or what's not coming in and focus completely on our inner state. Are we in abundance? Where are we on the scale of abundance in this very moment? Are my thoughts of lack or my thoughts of abundance and fullness and trust that all that I want will be coming in and provided to me? Welcome to the Big Kid Problems Podcast, based on the comedic social channel all about not wanting to be an adult. I'm your host, Sarah Merrill, the writer, creator, and pretty normal human behind the popular Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now podcast, Big Kid Problems. So I've spent the last almost decade making jokes about navigating the adult world. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that no matter what your age is, we all have big kid problems. We're all just trying to figure it out. So thank you so much for joining me as we navigate adulthood together. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Big Kid Problems podcast. For those of you who are new here, I'm your host, Sarah Merrill Hall. I'm the voice and personality behind the comical Big Kid Problems Instagram, Twitter, blog, and now, obviously, podcast. Welcome to the show. Guys, we are still early into 2022, and I know a lot of us are struggling to motivate. Hopefully, you listened to last week's episode all about easing into the new year with some interactive practices. And this week, we have on an incredible guest to help us continue to go inward and become the best versions of ourselves. So Kimberly Snyder is in the house today. She is a three-time New York Times bestselling author, a spiritual guide, meditation teacher, and holistic wellness expert. She's been featured everywhere. Good Morning America, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Ellen, The Wall Street Journal, Elle Vogue. I mean, she is hugely sought after and basically she knows what's up. Her highly anticipated new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life, comes out this month. And I was so honored to have her on the podcast this week to give us a little crash course. First of all, I mean, even just the title of her book jumped out to me. You are more than you think you are. I mean, what a concept. Like many of us, myself included, think that we just aren't enough sometimes. Like not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, not rich enough, whatever it is, to go after some of the things we really want. But just because we think something doesn't mean it's true. And Kimberly's new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, teaches us how to revise our belief system, fulfill our deepest dreams and desires, and create an epic, successful, and inspiring life. I mean, what a way to get us going in 2022. (laughs) Am I right? I hope you guys love this episode. And if you do, you know the drill. Share it on your social. Send it to a friend. Spread the love. I think a lot of people could benefit from this episode. So with that, I say we jump right in, guys. Get comfy and we will be right back. I want to take a quick moment to shout out to one of our sponsors, which is a product I've been using every day. 
Shout out Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to increase my energy and immunity. Let me tell you, I am a long time fangirl. So what is this stuff? So with one tasty scoop of Athletic Greens into water, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I mean, that is all the things. And it's so easy to take. Like, I love that I don't have to use and clean a blender or anything. Like, I just literally stir it into a cup of water and I'm good for the day. And it has this like tropical, almost bubblegum flavor to it that makes it go down easy, which is also huge. I really can't sing the praises of Athletic Greens enough. And it's not just me. They have over 7,000 five-star reviews and have been recommended by professional athletes and leading health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Your subscription also comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add, especially in these winter months when we don't get as much sunlight. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash BKP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash BKP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, guys, welcome back to the Big Kid Problem Podcast. I'm sitting here now with Kimberly Snyder. So excited to have you on the show on the precipice of your sixth book. So exciting. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about the book, all these amazing things. Just nice to to see you. Even on Zoom, it feels like we're in the same room. So that's nice. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I feel like Zoom has really has really come a long way. I'm like, somebody wants to meet in person? What? <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to give the audience who may not know you a little bit of background. Tell us a little bit about you, know, you and what inspired you to write this book. So this is my sixth book in 10 years. And my other books have covered different aspects of wellness, nutrition. Um, My fourth book, I co-authored with Deepak Chopra. So that was more Ayurveda and spirituality. And this book is is very different than the other one, Sarah. First of all, I'll say that the idea for this one um, came down when I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second son. And it was at a time when I was looking to slow down, but it just felt like this, like this, you know, lightning came into me like I have to write this book and I didn't know what to do. So I actually reached out to Deepak and I said, well, you know, here's my book idea. I don't know what to do with this. And he said, oh, this belongs with Hay House, which was a different publisher. We had written a book with Random House and um, you know, I'd been with them ever since. So anyways, he connected me with the people at Hay House and they said, what's your book about? And then a couple of days later, I presented it over Zoom and wrote a sample chapter. And I think I wrote, I signed my book deal three days before I gave birth. <laughs> and then I waited, you know, that in Ayurveda, you say there's the 40 sacred days after birth. I waited a full 60 days and I started writing. 
But the funny thing, Sarah, about this, you know, so that's the first part of the story. The first, the second part of the story is how I even got started, which was, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I think like a lot of us, I went into college with a partial science and math scholarship. So at one point I thought I might be a doctor. Then I interned in a hospital one summer and decided that wasn't for me. But I um, I worked for a year and then I went backpacking. I started to travel and I was really seeking, you know, now that I look back on it, I was seeking just feeling better in my body. You know, I didn't really know what I was seeking. I was just feeling, you know, wanting to feel better about myself. I was anxious. I had a lot of insomnia, a lot of acne, bloating, digestive issues. And when I started traveling, I thought it might just be for a few weeks, but it ended up being for a few years, three years actually. And I was doing it really inexpensively. I was living out of my car I bought in Africa for seven months and then Asia, 18 months. And the reason I tell you this story is because I was out of the Western world for those three years, mostly, like I said, in Asia and Africa and a little bit South America and Eastern Europe. So my mind, Sarah, was just so open and receptive to these other ideas about wellness, about energy, about beauty, about all these different concepts. And so one of the places that had the biggest impact on me was India. And I was there the first time for about three months. And then I circled around and I went there and went back for a while. But I started to learn about yoga and meditation for the first time. And not yoga like we think about it in the West, which is poses, which is only a tiny part of yoga, but really um, the traditional, um, the deep yogic science, which is about union, right? Union with greater energy around us. So anyways, I started to apply these teachings and particularly from Paramahansa Yogananda, who was the great yoga guru who brought yoga to the West. And I was starting to see a lot of patterns emerge in my life. So I came back there. I was broke. But here's you know where I started to create things. Um, I didn't have any money, but I was starting to teach asanas. I was starting to teach yoga. I was going back to nutrition school. And I didn't know anything about SEO or marketing, but I started a free blog. And this blog, all I did was tell my yoga students about it. Um, I moved to New York City after the trip. And it just started to spread organically throughout New York City. And you know, all these people were finding it. And then my first celebrity found me and she, to this day, I don't even own a TV. So I certainly wasn't trying to get into that world. But next thing I knew, I got in a film set and I was working with all these actors and producers. And then I became known as a celebrity nutritionist for a few years. I was flying around with all these actors and doing press tours, but it was never really just about the nutrition. It was really this holistic lifestyle that I teach now called my called my four cornerstones, which are food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. And so everything was starting to flow. I was a regular on Good Morning America. I was on Dr. Oz regularly. I was doing all this stuff. And then the first book deal came. And this is the funny part of this, about the story. I um, was HarperCollins. My first editor was Sarah. And I had a manuscript called Catching the Fire. And it was about a lot of the teachings in this book. <laughs> and it was a travel memoir. And she looked at my website and she's like, well, you know, the food stuff and the recipes seem to be really taking off on your website. So why don't we do a food book first and we can do this book second? Well, that first book now 10 years ago to this year was The Beauty Detox Solution. And it you know, did really well, sold like a million copies. So then my second book was a food book <laughs> and so on and so forth. So here we are, you know, 10 years later, six books later, and where we are in the world today, Sarah, I just feel like these teachings are needed more than ever. Um, I think everybody should have access to these teachings, which are about self-connection and accessing real peace and confidence 
vitality, abundance, being able to create our best stuff. So yeah, I feel like we've come full. So I've come full circle. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I love the timing of this book too, because I feel like this is such a good time to kind of dive into some of these teachings. And really, I mean, even the title of this thing, like you are more than you think you are. What made you think of this title? Like I, I, I'm curious because it really grabbed me when I first when I first read it. Yes. I feel like this is something a lot of us struggle with that maybe oh. we have this perception that we're not as smart, as pretty, as like well put together, as talented as like maybe we are. So this goes back to the to the central root issue, which you know is where most of our struggles come from. Like you said, not feeling pretty enough, or not good enough, or not enough in some way or another, and that's because we identify with what yoga calls the ego or the pseudo soul, or you know what Wayne Dyer calls the less than two percent of what we are, which is this outer shell. So the ego mm. is this part of us about you know what we look like, what we see, what we sense with our five senses. So what we're seeing with our physical eyes or what we're hearing or what we're tasting, right? It's all out here. So basically it's everything from our peripheral nervous system that's sensing the world outside of us. The problem is when we over-identify, when we put our worth in this shell, we are always by definition going to feel small and limited. So the antidote, the solution to the issue isn't in the same place where the problem is, right? The problem is the ego looks on Instagram and says, oh, well, this person has more followers or she has better hair or I can't afford that trip, right? Or, you know, compares with your coworkers and says, well, that person got this or they have more money or whatever it is. It's always judging and comparing out here. That's what the ego does. So what yoga teaches us, there's a term called the true self. And that is this formless part of us. In quantum physics, you could say it's this gravitational field, this individual energy that is us, that's completely unique to us. We can say it's spirit individualized inside of us. We can say it's this drop of consciousness that we are and part of the universe. There's many different terminologies. But when we start, Sarah, to tune into this um, part of our, we could say it's part of our personality that's usually dormant, Suddenly, we, we stop identifying with this primal fear that's attached to our identity of this limited part of us. And we go into this part of us that is unlimited and expansive. It's the energy of our intuition, the energy of our heart. It's this stable, creative, courageous part of us. And so really, and what I've done in the book is I went through thousands and thousands of pages of old texts. And if you look at the Vedas, which are the oldest texts, in the planet and in, in the whole world, all of this comes from ancient India. The whole um, Sankhya and Vedic philosophy is how we get back into really connecting with who we are, with this true self part of us. And when I started doing this, and now I've been meditating for over twelve years, Sarah. That's what I was saying about you know I started to just see patterns emerge. It's a difference of looking out here and and seeing lack and oh I don't have enough or I'm not enough. So that lack energy is an actual frequency that gets transmitted out. Um, I had a neuroscientist on my podcast and she had a really amazing scientific way of explaining all of this from a scientific perspective. And there's quite a bit of scientific support in the book as well. But anyways, it's instead of looking out here we tune inward and everybody can learn to do this through these practices. And then we start to anchor into, into our actual energy. 
And that starts to come up and out of us. So the book is structured in three parts. The first is getting past the biggest blocks into even accessing this part of us. So part one encompasses fearlessness, wholeness, right? Actually, uh, Yogananda says there's 26 soul qualities that we need to access as humans in order to reach our fullest potential. And fearlessness is number one, because if we're blocked by fear, we're not even getting on the path in the first place. So part one is about getting past these blocks. Wholeness is understanding that we're more than our behaviors. A lot of us walk around with a lot of guilt and shame and it sort of drags us down in everyday life. So it's about learning and then letting go. Then the second part of the book is about embodying more of the qualities of the true self. So honing our intuition, finding more inner peace, really understanding how to access true confidence. And then the third part after you've gotten that is um, where we create. So the longest chapter in the book is actually called You Are a Creator. So it's a very specific exercises and practices for taking your unique gifts and talents and energy and how you extract it out and create your best stuff, whether it's your best website or your best brand or you know fashion idea or recipe or being the best mom you can be, whatever it is, along with abundance, magnetism, and so on. Oh my gosh. Okay. There's so much. There's so much to tackle. And I feel like, okay, like especially at this time of year, like we're all kind of creating our resolution, setting our goals. Like we're probably all trying to jump to that third step of like, you know, coming, you know, accessing that creator part. So I would love to take a step back and start at stage one. Yes. You know, and, and I know you talked about fearlessness, like accessing that and then also kind of figuring out your, your true self and your whole self. Can we can we talk about like if you were going to work with somebody yes. through getting there? Like where would you start and and how would we how would we get started? Okay, so yes, um, getting started. You know everything I'm talking about here. First of all, I just want to point out that the subtitle of the book is practical enlightenment for everyday life. So it was really important to me that this book be very practical with like step one, two, three, four. Do this, do this, because otherwise, you know, I love. Eckhart Tolle, I love these teachers, but I read these books and I'm like, what do I do with this? It's like philosophy, but it's not for everyday life. So in an everyday sense, imagine what I'm saying, Sarah, is that the issue is that we're always going outward. We're always looking out, right? Like what's going on? Mm. What's on social media? What's in the news? What are my friends doing? What's such and such eating? Oh, this diet, like it's all out here. So the very first step is we need to understand that in order to access this real power inside of us, in order to know the true self, first of all, we need to spend time with the true self. We have to spend time connecting inward. So that means an actual balance in our schedule between being out in the external world and being um, connected to the internal world. So in practical terms, I teach my morning practice, which includes drinking hot water with lemon which is really great for your digestion. It's great to have that hot liquid in your stomach, which creates a sense of fullness. It also is great for Agni, for digestive fire to help um, your digestive system start to um, promote the release of toxins and so on. And then also taking two SBO probiotics, which I'm a big fan of. I think you know healthy microbiome affects everything as we know energy, moods, your skin and so on. And then drinking, a, um, we have a signature recipe called a glowing green smoothie, which is really great for fiber and minerals and nutrients and everything going into your system. Anyways, so then there's all this outer doing, right? You're blending, you're making the hot water with lemon, you're putting nourishment in your body. 
And then equally, if not more important, I would argue more important, we spend time in a morning meditation practice day in and day out. So I have my practical enlightenment meditations that I put out every week. They're only seven minutes, but it's not, I'll get into this in a minute. It's very, um, it's important that we follow a meditation practice. I believe that comes from a real lineage. There's so much today that's like, oh, these new ideas and these trends. And I think new trends and ideas are fun for us to follow. They can be interesting, but there's so much value in the old, Sarah, and the you know ancient, the really old. So everything that I teach and everything that comes from this book stems from these really ancient teachings that I think are needed today more than ever. So then, so there's a balance. Okay, we're doing the hot water with lemon, do this stuff. But then we prioritize spending seven minutes or 10 minutes in meditation. And what that does is it allows us to come in to our own center to access this energy. And then afterwards, if there's time, I recommend spending five minutes journaling because it's the potent space after meditation where we've settled the thoughts and we've connected inward that we are able to come up with our best ideas. This is these are where my best ideas come from, Sarah. I write sometimes I, you know, I bring up, okay, here's this, you know, issue I need to deal with today or here's a project and just ideas start to flow after that. So, um, and then there are certain practices I have, even they're 90 seconds during the day, how to come back to center if you get triggered, if you find yourself mm. comparing. In the middle of the day, I like to do a little check-in, a little mini meditation and come back in. And then in the evening, I also do a meditation as part of my evening routine. I've got a little secret hack for you guys. And they happen to be a new sponsor of the show. It's called Honey Love. Shapewear designed to work with your body, not against it. I'm a big fan of shapewear. It doesn't matter what your body type, shape, size, whatever is. It just makes your clothes fall better and look better on you. Like every time I have a big event or party, I mean, the few times I've been on TV or on stage, I've always got shapewear underneath. And Honey Love is shapewear you actually want to wear. Designed for comfort and looks, Honey Love is as beautiful as your favorite lingerie with unparalleled construction. Unlike your grandma's girdle, Honey Love is made from premium materials and constructed with a signature X that targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. And Honey Love's super soft and flexible boning means your shapewear never rolls down. That's the thing I love about Honey Love. I love how soft the material is. Like that is the biggest thing when it comes to shapewear for me. It has to be comfortable. And it's not just me. People love Honey Love. Honey Love has been featured in the New York Times, on Good Morning America, and Brides Magazine, and has thousands of five-star reviews. Plus, there's no risk. Honey Love covers the shipping and restocking to make all U.S. returns completely free. You deserve shapewear you'll want to show off. So see for yourself at honeylove.com and get 20% off a second item. Plus, when you use code BIGKID, you'll get an additional 10% off your entire order. So get 20% off your second item plus an additional 10% off at honeylove.com with code BIGKID. Honeylove.com, code BIGKID. Rules and restrictions may apply. Real quick, I feel so lucky to partner with brands that I actually use and love. And one that you've heard me talk about for years is Morning Recovery. If you're unfamiliar, More Labs created this nifty lifesaver of a drink called Morning Recovery that helps prevent rough mornings after drinking. 
All you have to do is drink one morning recovery while you drink or before you go to bed to help your body detox, rehydrate, and bounce back. So you can have fun at night and feel good the next day. If you've got some big events coming up this year, like weddings, bachelorettes, birthdays, baby showers, hey, I don't know how you roll. Trust me when I say morning recovery will be your new best friend. So how does this work? Morning Recovery uses a plant-derived superhero formula that helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins so you wake up feeling like a real human the next day. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with Morning Recovery at morelabs.com slash bigkid. Oh, and use code bigkid for 20% off your order. That's morelabs.com slash bigkid and use code bigkid for 20% off. I love that your early your morning meditation is is short because sometimes I think people can get overwhelmed by the idea of meditation like I don't have 20 minutes in the morning like I'm barely getting up like yeah, by my totally. third alarm going off and rushing to work and feeling all of that. So I think that's really helpful and I like the idea also of checking in throughout the day. I, I know you mentioned you know when you like using 90 seconds after feeling triggered. I was thinking about that when you were talking about um, finding yourself comparing. I feel like that's like a good place to start. Whenever we even have a thought of like, somebody has this and I don't, or I don't feel smart enough to send this email or whatever it is. Like whenever we have these little negative thoughts, like I'd love to talk about like some of those things you do in 90 seconds to kind of yes. twi- turn it around. Yes. So let's talk about that. And then let's talk about maybe the, the meditation philosophy in general. Okay. So anytime you have that thought of comparison, like, oh, look at what, you, you know, what's going on over there or look at what she's doing or, you know, feeling like, oh my God, I, you know, this, this post didn't get all the likes I wanted to get. I'm stupid. Whatever the way, all the ways in which we beat ourselves up. The first thing is recognizing. We start to create this, um, this real link. Anytime a thought like that comes up, it is because 100%, it is because we are putting our identity in our ego. So it's, a, it's an identification issue. So just know that right? Going forward. Oh, I'm identifying with my ego. So what we want to do is we want to take a pause and we want to do a practice where we take some breaths that bring us here into the now and into our body, because a lot of these triggers and the ego and the thoughts are up here in the mind. So we want to start by dropping down into the body and then we start to recenter. So um, let's do a little demo if you're um, up for the, I'll show you a 20, 20 second demo. Okay, Sarah. But first, Amazing. Be- right before we do that, I want to say that, you know, I was mentioning yoga isn't poses and a lot of people think that it is still. And even some yoga teachers think that it is, Sarah, you know, like a yoga studio is where people are doing poses. And that's the physical aspect of yoga, but that's a tiny, tiny part. There's 196 yoga sutras and only three mention asanas. And they're really meant to be there to allow the body to be comfortable and steady for meditation. So it's a shame that people think that. Um, I think, you know, that's a you know a great part of yoga, but we can go deeper and deeper into the benefits. And one of the limbs of yoga is pratyahara, which is learning to withdraw the senses and pull everything in. And it goes deeper into dhyana and dhyana and concentration and meditation. So meditation isn't just about relaxing. 
and de-stressing. And I think that's another misconception. If we're just relaxing, it means that we're still out here in the ego and we're relaxing these five senses. So in a sense, we're relaxing our nervous system, but we're not going deeper and deeper. So in the meditations I teach, it's about that goal, which is union. It all goes back to union, right? Coming and connecting in. So it's not just relaxing. We're actually withdrawing this energy back into our central nervous system, which is known as our Shashumna Nadi, which is our spine and our brain. And there's research that shows even when we focus on our third eye, which is beyond what the physical eyes can see, but this, this vision point, you know, the word rishi means seer in Sanskrit. So it's these wise men that could see more, they could feel more wisdom. So when we focus here, for instance, it actually activates this medulla oblongata, this little notch here at the back of your brain and this ganglion of nerves that connects the brain into the spine. And this then helps to light up different parts of the brain. And there's so much research on this now in areas of uh, peace and equanimity and creativity. So there's so much power when we learn to use these practices in an effective way. So in the book, there's three chapters that go deeper and deeper into this type of meditation. There's a preliminary chapter, which talks about getting into the gaps. So that's what I want to demonstrate to you right now. Um, And we can practice this anytime we feel triggered, anytime we're in comparison or not enoughness um, to come into stillness, real stillness, because stillness is like this, you know, the word calmness and equanimity gets used a lot in yoga. And it's this, it's this fertile place that we have to reconnect and to gather in our energy where all the magic is. So yoga teaches us that it's really these, these gaps, right? So think about there's no gaps in, in music. It's just a chaotic mess, right? Or there's no gaps in a conversation. We're not really conversing. It's just noise. You know, I'm kind of thinking what I'm going to say. I'm not really listening to you. It's just this back and forth. So when we start to experience real gaps, it means we can start to expand those gaps. So there's a pause between our thoughts. So we're not just reacting. We're not just feeling triggered and having that like emotional upset happening. There's more of a gap. Um, we can listen to people more. We go deeper into our, our relationships. So the way that we experience gaps is, um, first of all, through this practice. So let's do it together, Sarah. This is... Um, There's going to be a little micro pause in between the inhales and the exhales. So it's just for a moment to experience that gap. We're not going to do any long breath holding. So this is safe for you, even though you're pregnant. This is something I practice through all my pregnancies as well. Okay. Probably need it more. Yeah. Let's get into it now, love. So um, just go ahead and close your eyes for a moment, just so we start to bring the energy inward and... um, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're a place, you can also close your eyes. Great. If you can not close your eyes, but just do the practice anyway, if you're driving in a car, that's great too. So either way, just go ahead and exhale. So empty out your lungs. So we're going to inhale now for a count of four. So inhaling, two, three, four, and then pause full at the top with your lungs full. And now we're going to exhale for four, nice and gently, two, three, four, and then pause empty at the bottom, lungs empty. And then again, inhale, two, three, four, and pause full at the top.
and then exhale. Two, three, four. Pause empty at the bottom, nice and relaxed. And one more round. Inhale. Two, three, four. Pause full at the top. Then exhale. Two, three, four. Pause empty at the bottom. And then inhale. And just continue with taking some deep breaths on your own. And you can float your eyes open. So that was like 20 seconds. And I don't know if you could feel that potency, Sarah, but just taking those pauses, those gaps, like micro gaps in between the inhales and the exhales starts to give us that experience of stillness. So like you were saying earlier, it's like, okay, I can meditate for seven minutes, but I can't meditate for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. I'll say that the benefits of this practice are experiential. So at first we're like, how do I fit this in? We're used to like hitting the ground and running when we wake up. But I can say for me, from personal experience, I look forward so much to my meditations and they are longer. I've created my life around them. I do my morning one after I drop my son off at kindergarten and younger son is taking a nap. And I do that. My team knows this, that I do my meditations before I get on email, before I do anything. Because once we start to experience this feeling of expansion, inside of us. It is so amazing and life-changing that we realize anytime we're in contraction, anytime we feel small, we're in the ego. So we want to go more into that expansive state. And that really does literally start to spread across our lives. So we feel more love in everyday life for no, no reason at all, not attached to something we're trying to get outside of us, like validation or you know compliments. It's just coming from inside of us. And same thing with peace. So we were able to go through life and we're less reactive, Sarah, and we're also less needing stuff from the outside. So there's just this like freedom. The word enlightenment, by the way, means freedom, more freedom. We're not gonna be fully enlightened like Buddha or Jesus maybe, but getting on the path means that we're going through and things bother us less and we're less mm. distracted. So we're able to concentrate this energy in what Yogananda calls our dynamic will. And then we can channel it into our projects, into our life. And everything just naturally starts to expand. Oh my gosh. I love that little life hack. You know, it's funny uh, that like box breath, that's what I've like learned it as is like the four, this pause for four, and then you let go for four, mm. hold for four. I did that walking down the aisle, <laughs> like at my oh, wedding. Wow. I was getting ready to walk down the aisle and I just started freaking out and literally used <laughs> that box breath to like, bring it, bring it back, you know, bring it back. My dad's next to me. Like, are you okay? Like, actually no, but I just literally kept doing that box breath and eventually it helped. Well, so, so I, I've read the box breath with different people that doesn't emphasize the, the pauses as much, but maybe there's different versions. So much of the breath work I see today is focusing on the actual breathing versus the spaces in between, which is really mm. where that stillness, that real gap is. And then as we continue to go deeper into um, meditation techniques, we build on that. And so it's like this, you know, this foundation and then we build, build, build. And it goes, it really does go deeper and deeper. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I encourage anybody listening to try and incorporate this a little bit more into your day. Like that was a very short, easy thing. And I don't know about you guys listening, but I feel so much calmer already. Yes. So that's amazing. I wanted to ask you this because I was going through your book and I know when you were talking about like the true self and really connecting to your entire being, your whole being, you kind of, you did this sun and moon practice, which I thought was really interesting because it's it's a it's not just about embracing the good qualities about ourselves, but also embracing some of those qualities that maybe aren't so good. And I yes. love um for you to maybe like share this with our audience because I thought this was like very different and and very um helpful. So thank you. Yes, this is in the I am whole chapter. And so this is also in part one. You know, getting past some of these bigger blocks that allow us to go deeper and deeper into our real power and our real self-awareness and self-connection. So as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest blocks I think that we walk around with day to day is guilt and shame. So we, you know, I may look at you and be like, hey, Sarah, I'm like talking, but somewhere in our subconscious, there's a part of us, if we've, if we've held on to things that we've done and our behaviors, I may look at you, but really think, oh, she wouldn't really like me if she knew what I did. Or there's this um, sort of hiding part of us. There's this part of us that doesn't really feel integrated. And this is something that Carl Jung uh, would call the shadow part of us. And it's these disowned parts of us that we abandon or we try to tuck away or we don't want anyone to see. So in the I Am Whole chapter, it's really about recognizing that we are this, the true self, who we are is this stable part of us. And it's actually beyond our behaviors, both, you know, good, quote, good and bad. And usually what we see as our bad behaviors, this acting out really comes from the wounded ego. As we progress, what we want to do is we want to align to our true self. So of course, our actions align to who we really are, but we are becoming and we're also um, here at the same time. So what I mean by that is there's this human part of us that's becoming, we're growing and we're evolving back into the heart, back into unconditional love. And then there's the true self that is already there, that is whole and complete. So what we want to do in the sun moon practice, I'll give an overview. There's more detail in the book, of course, but first we want to get out a piece of paper and we want to write down in one column our sun qualities. So what are the things we love to share about ourselves that are easy to talk about? Oh, I'm really generous. I'm a good listener. I'm patient. I'm a good mom. You know, whatever it is that we want to list. Oh, and oh, by the way, I also recommend you do this practice after meditation. So we are more dropped in and um, less reactive and calmer. Then we create our moon column. And this one can be, you know, a little bit, um, <laughs> take a little bit of, of um, compassion and just sitting with it. And as we start, more and more will come out. And I, rec I recommend coming back to this practice time and time again. So our lunar qualities may be the shadow qualities. Again, like, you know, if we sit, if we're really honest, you know, I can actually really be judgmental or snippy or mean or exclusive or whatever it is. And what happens when you write the lunar qualities, usually what happens is you start to feel sensations in your body. 
So I guide you through your ego will start to have reactions like, oh, not me, or starts to justify, oh yeah, I was judgy, but it's because she was judgy with me or whatever it is. So we have to keep training ourselves. Okay, we're just witnessing. We're not trying to justify. We're not identifying with the ego. So you feel the sensations rise and fall and you wait. Usually um, some psychologists say it takes about 10 minutes really getting into the body instead of the mind. And you just watch and you watch. So then you take your paper with your sun qualities and your moon qualities and you see them side by side. And then you observe and you look at them and you recognize, oh, I'm actually beyond that. And then there's a practice for wholeness of integrating, we can say the light and the dark and the dark part of us. Again, it's not, shouldn't have this shame. It's not that we're evil. It's that you know darkness is an absence of light. So there's parts of us that are unnourished. There's parts of us that are acting out patterns, wounds from childhood or whatever it is. So we learn the lessons. We look at it objectively. We allow this metabolizing and digesting of emotions, is, you know, these waves of emotions to come and go because emotions are meant to be energy in motion. And the reason a lot of us continue to act out patterns or we hide parts of ourselves is that this energy is trapped inside of us. So it's such a powerful exercise for just feeling and letting some of those emotions go and go and go. And when we return to this practice, I've returned to it periodically for you know some time. It's like you know, Dr. David Hawkins, this amazing psychologist says, at the, at the end, we get to the bottom of the well eventually where we've metabolized some of these energies and these experiences and they don't own us anymore. So then we can really say, I am that I am, right? You know, when Moses asked the Almighty, what is it that you are? The simple statement, I am that I am, right? I'm alive, I'm breathing, I'm, a, I'm this unique creation of spirit. I am not just my behaviors. So I don't attach my identity to this shame and you know, things that I've done. I'm at, I'm free of that. I am this being, you know, beyond all that. And at the same time, I'm, you know, learning, I'm growing, but it's an amazing practice for releasing shame so that we go forward with more of our um, abundant energy that we can bring into each moment. We are aiming to start the new year off, right? And I think a great way to do that is to turn healthy habits into a ritual with Ritual Multivitamins. Did you know over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women's age 18 plus. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but my diet has been real bad the last few months. Like I swear, I used to be a pretty healthy eater, but ever since getting pregnant, the only thing I want to eat is carbs and cheese and cereal with really cold milk, which I know sounds weird. But anyway, suffice it to say, I definitely have not been getting the nutrients I need from the foods I eat, which is why Ritual has been so, so important. I love taking Ritual. It has this like minty fresh taste and doesn't need to be taken with food. So I actually remember to take it first thing in the morning and I can feel good right off the bat knowing I did something good for my health. In a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, the results of taking Ritual are clear. 
Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. That is huge. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. So visit ritual.com slash big kid and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash big kid. I I tried doing the practice and exactly what you said. Like I had some feelings coming up where I was trying to justify some stuff. But then like looking at some of these negative qualities, like my first reaction was like, I don't want these. Like I'm like, how do I fix these? Yes. And I guess that's maybe not, maybe not what we're supposed to do. It's more of like accepting and maybe just being aware. I think, you know, we, we build on it just like all these practices. You, it keeps going deeper and deeper. This, the first step, even just writing them down, Sarah, it's like taking something out of the shadow in the corner of the room and bringing it in. So just by seeing it, it starts to dissolve the energy. It really does start to transform things. It's really, really powerful. And then some other practices. Um, so there's a term in, in uh, yoga called Svadhyana, which is about self-introspection. And this is how one of the ways that we grow the most. So for me, out of that sun-moon practice, I started to question you know, my impatience. And then, you know, we, we start to go deeper and deeper. It's like layers of an onion. So I was like, oh, where am I really impatient with people? Oh, when they interrupt me. Or if, you know, I, I, you, you do this whole big explanation and they don't agree with me, right? Like, oh, you know, it's not really great to have dairy all day. And so I get this whole thing and then they're like, ah, I'm going to drink it anyway. So I started to question, you know, why does that bother me so much? Through these exercises, we start to extract more and more wisdom out of it. So then I would say, oh, you know, the reason it bothers me is, oh, well, they're, they're, they're annoying or they're not listening. Okay. That's the ego. Anytime it's someone else is doing something, we're not owning it yet. So then you sit with it longer and longer and it always is a mirror back to us. What is the part that I own? So the reason I discovered that people bothered me so much when people were interrupting me was because it was triggering this deep wound I had that, oh, I'm not worthy of being seen or heard. You know, some stuff that happened in my childhood. And so what does that trigger? That triggers like, oh, if I'm not worthy of being seen or being heard, I guess I'm not lovable, right? So it's like this deep, like deep pain starts to come up. But it's like, again, it's just like this root of like seeing this shadow. So then again, through these exercises, through this work, I could really see it and feel it and start to metabolize it and then understand the root of it is, oh, I don't actually need anybody else to really see me or to love me. It's nice to share life. It's nice to be in this experience with other people, but actually I give myself love. I can validate myself. I can self-soothe myself. And this is the power that comes from connecting inside from the true self. We realize we've given our power away in all these different ways and all the ways that we try to convince people to agree with us, to like us, to compliment us, to validate us, to you know include us. And it actually creates a lot of lack energy, a lot of desperate, like trying to get stuff. It it creates a very different dynamic. When we become more autonomous through this work and we realize like, oh, I validate myself. I love myself in the real way because I think self-love is something that's tossed around a lot. It's more than reading a happy quote on Instagram, right? It's really about connecting to who we are first before we learn to really love ourselves. 
and what that does. So that's a chap- there's a chapter in part three. When we start to activate this, this is when we become very magnetic. And this is where opportunities and things start to flow and just come to us. And it really builds abundance in a powerful way because we are emanating energy all the time, whether we realize it or not. So all this like trying to get stuff and all the little microwaves that we do it, it actually repels a lot of the things, the love, the relationships, the abundance that we want. So when I started doing these practices, oh my gosh, you know, Sarah, I went from, you know, my life, I can say the massive shift. I went from being this poor backpacker into just, you know, my life is just continues to like open up and open up um, in so many different ways. And, you know, just my soulmate husband, which is a story I describe in the intuition chapter after I had really gone in deep, how we met each other at a random dinner party. He looks, you know, on the surface, I was like, this is not my type you know, completely covered in tattoos and a gold grill and MMA fighting and motorcycles. Um, But I was at a point where I could just really tune more into my gut. And I think, you know, when we're in the ego all the time, that's where we tend to make a lot of mistakes. I know I made a lot of missteps, shall we say, in my romantic life. But when we're tuned in here, we can just really sense things in a whole different way. So yeah, life just evolves. And I I'm so passionate about this, Sarah, because I know that everybody can learn to activate this and everybody's lives can become so much more flowing and fulfilling and peaceful. And I just know this can benefit everybody. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. And I feel like it's something that we're all kind of looking for and all trying to do more of. And especially like this time of year specifically is, I think, a time where a lot of people are reevaluating their goals, maybe maybe trying to access more of that abundance. I know I am personally. like I, I, And it's so funny. Every year I look at my goals and I'm like, I have the same shit on here from last year as I did the year before. And for whatever reason, like I'm not... There's yes. maybe a block. Something's happening where I'm like not fully like reaching that abundance piece. And I, I'm curious... Like, if you have any strategies for to, for tapping into this, or anything maybe that you do around the new year to kind of to kind of really tap in and and access that abundance and like creating more. Well, the reason that there's so much, you you know you, you tend to see like repeating pattern of like I'm not reaching my goals. I think is what I said earlier, which is trying to find the solution where the problem is, right? So like going to the same pattern of like, okay, here's what I do. So it's more doing and and to-do lists and, and just more outward activity, right? So especially with abundance, which I think a lot of people struggle with, that's what we tend to do is we focus on what's not coming in. And then we say, well, I got to do more activity. I need to do more stuff. And it's this cycle of keeping us in lack actually. So the abundance chapter is in part three of the book. And I go into a lot of detail about this because I think this is, this is a big one. So abundance really is showing up into the fullness of this moment, right? So abundance is like peace. It's only here right here, right now. It's not going to be in the future planning where we create a lot of anxiety or in the past, abundance has to be found right now, right? So we want to feel the fullness of this of this moment. It's not just about money. It's not just about financial prosperity. It's about all things, abundance of, of connection, of love, of potential in this moment, just 
feeling that energy. So abundance, just like everything else, starts from the inside. And it's the repeated vibration that we create inside of us that starts to create outward form. So with abundance, it's really powerful to not to shift our attention away from what's coming in or what's not coming in and focus completely on our inner state. Are we in abundance? Where are we on the scale of abundance in this very moment? Are my thoughts of lack or my thoughts of abundance and fullness and trust that all that I want will be coming in and provided to me? So there's a very powerful practice in the abundance chapter about self-generating these energies of abundance inside of you. And it's also um, supported by some uh, research by the Heart Math Institute, which has been doing incredible research for, I think, over 25 years now. So yeah, there's there's uh, very potent practices that we can start to incorporate. And when I started to do this as well, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't really realize, again, this is the light of self-awareness, how much lack I was putting out. It was like, I was doing more, but I was pushing more away. So then I, I paused and I switched my whole way of um, you know, really abundance from the inside out. And I was doing it on a regular basis. And then you know, all these things started to flow in. Like in that chapter, I describe how my husband and I bought our dream house here in the mountains. It was only the third house that we looked at, but it was just this matching energy. And since then, we've also been able to buy a farm in Hawaii, where we go every month, which has just been amazing. But it's been this stepping into this flow versus this arduous pushing that I was doing for years that I think a lot of us get locked into. So it's a complete reversal of um, the way that we look at things usually. Yeah. Can you can you tell us real quick if we are like pushing and pushing and pushing, maybe like a way to get away from that? Well, like I said, I think it's it's all these different practices that we build in. It's um, it's if if we're pushing and pushing, it means that we're still completely engaged in outward doing, and we're not spending the time on in connecting on the inside. And connecting on the inside at first may feel like something that can come and go. You know, it feels nice to meditate or to do these practices or to journal, whatever it is. But it's when we start to understand that this is. Actually, where the magic is, this is where we transform our life. It's not going to be out here. It's actually going to come from inside of us. So, um, you know, again, this is why I wrote the whole book with all the practices that build from part one to part three to get you to that point where you can understand more of your energy and how to work with your energy. Because a lot of us are just focused on numbers and charts and you know fitness apps and all this stuff, but we don't really know how to actually work with and activate our energy, what's going on inside of us. We're in our heads, we're in our thoughts. Um, instead of really feeling the sensations of our body, going into um, our breath, understanding our frequencies, and then um, being able to channel that out. So it sounds a little esoteric here, but you'll see that the book is very practical. And at the at the end of each chapter, there's all these different lists for what to actually do. And a lot of these, uh, like this abundance practice I describe is something you can do in like three minutes. And it's powerful. I would do it you know, once or twice a day if you're really trying to call something in. Can you share maybe like a snippet of that? So just I, I just want people listening to this episode like on the subway or walking down the street can like use something to call in abundance starting today. 
Well, um, as I mentioned, I think it's um, it starts with really just um, understanding that if we're feeling in in lack. So first of all, I would say just the, the first practice, as I mentioned, is in this moment. So just keep asking yourself moment to moment. It's moment to moment awareness. Am I in lack? Am I in abundance? Where am I on the scale of abundance right here? right now. And if you're feeling real lack, we want to shift your energy. So maybe it's as simple as going outside in nature, going for a walk, taking a few deep breaths, making a tea, feeling you know the fullness of the tea going down. The practice itself is a little bit more um, specific. So it, it is in the book. But I will say that the first thing is just feeling that moment-to-moment awareness. Mm. It goes back to you. So really, I'm checking in with yourself. And realizing, am I in lack or am I, am I in abundance? That's a question we, you know, we can ask ourselves many times during the day and doing something about it if we're in lack. Mm. As soon as you said that, I was like, I checked in on myself and was like, <laughs> ooh, I feel, I feel a little lack. Yeah. Like if I'm being honest. Totally. So yeah. So like, I, I think that's good to just even have that awareness. And then like you said, tapping into, we have everything we need right now in this moment. Like I, I love that. And and maybe it's 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 a gratitude practice. Like so you know, like just kind of figuring out like the things like if I'm in a lack mentality right now when I just checked in, like maybe just taking a moment and 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 reevaluating and going more towards this feeling of like gratitude and abundance. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Um again there's a lot more specifics in the book, but it's if you are in lack, it's important to take a pause and do something to shift it. So like you said, it could be calling in or writing down a list of things you're grateful for, going into your body because lack lives in the mind, it lives in your thoughts. So dropping down into some of these practices where you're actually going into your feet and you're going down into your gut and you're you're removing your energy, your attention from just being into the into the thoughts alone. So there's many different mm-hmm. practices to help with that. Oh my gosh. Well, I know everybody listening is probably like, I want to learn more from this and I, I want more. I know I I do. So for anybody who wants... Or this is kind of like a little intro crash course, but if people want more from you, want to pick up your book, where can we find you? Yeah. So the book is available now. It's called You Are More Than You Think You Are. Anywhere books are sold... Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, so on and so forth. And then all the information on me is at my website, mysaluna.com, which is S-O-L-L-U-N-A.com. And we have amazing products and supplements and digital courses, our Saluna Circle, which is our online community program, and also my Feel Good podcast as well. Oh, and social at underscore Kimberly Snyder. Amazing. I'm going to share all of that in show notes. Everybody can get more from you. But Kimberly, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. It was so fun to chat. So fun. 